Welcome to Switched On with Paul Moderman and James Wood. Strap in for great chats with super smart people on SAP solutions, Microsoft Azure cloud development, and everything in between. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Switched On with Paul Moderman and James Wood. I am the host, Paul Moderman, and here with me, as always, evermore, never fails, never falters, always, always standing atop the mountain with me clad in armor of, of, of pure, I don't even know what, is James Wood. James, say hi to everyone. Hello, everyone. With us today, we have, we have a guest for the ages, I think. We have a guest that, that really cracks into a different sphere than some of our other guests, but in a way that I like, because it's really, it's a kind of a, it's a, a really cool chance to take a deep look at some tech coming down the pipe and that has arrived in the, in the, at the end of the pipe and how that really kind of impacts a lot of our customers in the way that they do their stuff with business applications. So without further ado, I want to introduce James Montemagno from Microsoft. James Mots, take it away, introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you do, your story if you want to, but give us the, give us the who are you, give, let us inside the, inside the psyche if you want to. Cheryl, sure. well, first, thank you so much for having me. Super honor and a privilege on this side of the microphone. I've been podcasting for decades, so I love just speaking all the time. And it's, it's really cool to, you know, sync up with both of you and all the listeners as well. So like Paul said, I'm James Montemagno. I'm a program manager over at Microsoft. I actually lead an entire team, our developer community team inside of our developer division. That division builds.net, builds Visual Studio, builds VS Code, builds C-sharp, F-sharp, TypeScript, all the cool things. So we're really side-by-side -side the product and engineering team. It's where all the fun stuff that developers get to use I was gonna is say, made. You make like half the things I use. So there you go, right? That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't even mention like all the Azure SDKs and container apps and oh, functions. Boy. That's all here too. It's all here. It's all a beautiful world. Yeah. So, so I came to Microsoft six years ago from the Xamarin acquisition. So I worked mm. at Xamarin. I came there, I was there for three and a half years before we were acquired. I and mean, if people don't know, Xamarin is a way of, or was a way of building cross-platform native develop, native applications for iOS and Android mm. and Mac. And you could also share code with Windows. And we had a very popular cross-platform UI framework called Xamarin Forms. Mm. And the reason I say that it was is because there's a new evolution of it that we'll talk about today with Don and Maui. But I was actually a customer of Xamarin before joining Xamarin. <laughs> so oh. I, I was an app. I was a developer. I, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I was. I am a developer. I still ship and build apps to the App Store. But I used to work at Canon building printer software, and then I found mobile application development. Got super into it, and I worked mm -hmm. at a small company in Kirkland, Washington, building all of their mobile apps for DVR hardware and software. I just loved it so much. I used Xamarin for all the apps and we built an entire DVR platform with it. It was amazing. And I fell in love with, with it so much that when uh, this developer advocate role came up at Xamarin, which was a, a role that you hear developer relations is like a buzzword. It's, it's basically people helping other people learn the technology. And that's mm -hmm. what I've been doing for a decade and my entire team does it now. And I love it. And I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm just at James Montemagno everywhere at Twitter, on YouTube, on, right. on the internet, basically. That is me. A unique last name so that's so pretty easy to find me but yeah i love it and I'm, I'm super excited to talk about all the new stuff that we're doing here at microsoft for mm -hmm. building applications and building cross-platform applications with c-sharp and.net so before we jump into the before we jump into xamarin 
bridging to Maui and all that kind of stuff. I have one other question that I, I'm curious about because both for this podcast and some other podcasts I do and just some personal correspondence I do, I wind up talking to lots of like dev advocates, community, community that kind of that kind of role inside the big tech companies. From your perspective, Mats, what is what is the key to making successful dev advocacy work? It's a great question. I've I've done this before with people, and I'm like, wow, you should charge for for uh, consultancy, <laughs> which is funny. You no, know, so it's a few things. You know, I've been in developer advocacy and DevRel for for decade. And people don't know why you're calling me Mots because there's multiple Jameses and Mots is my nickname. So oh, yeah, sorry. Mots. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. So, and my first job at Canon, we had, it was 50 people in our small office and there was five Jameses. So everyone was calling me Mots. So, you know, I think for me, it's, it's a, it's a few things, you know, the real goal of developer advocacy should to be enabling, growing and nurturing a diverse and inclusive community around whatever product whatever developer technology you want. And you kind of do that in a few ways. It's really about relationship building. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's not about selling something. If you're selling something, you're doing it wrong because that's what sales is for. Mm -hmm. The goal is to drive adoption, but you do this with building relationships, increasing developer loyalty. And through that, you can drive awareness of the product by building these relationships to help grow new developers and keep developers in your ecosystem from a long time. So really the whole goal of developer advocacy is you hire people that absolutely freaking love your product to death. Ideally, maybe they even made a career out of it. Mm-hmm. And they all they want to do is show other people how awesome that thing is. So when they're out and about, they're not selling stuff, right? They're just showing people stuff that they think can help transform other people's careers because it did it for them. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the real end all goal. And it's a really multi-pronged strategy, which is, having really deep roots and being there for the community, but also generating content where appropriate to help new developers and reach them where they're at. Whether that's you know live streaming, video content, documentation, blogs, or just communication on Twitter or like a, a Discord, you know what I mean? Yeah. Things have evolved. It's really those, more than anything, it's about relationships than anything because the goal really is to build those relationships and have those individuals become advocates in the community themselves, right? So there's only one James, well, there's two James on this call. There's only two, there's only one me. (laughs) How do you create a thousand of me, right? And you Mm -hmm. do that by building trust and raising people's voices, right? It's not about you, it's about everybody else. And that's what it really makes a great advocate, I think. Okay, interesting, interesting. Because there's, I think, I think among the, among the big tech places that I've talked to and that I've seen people work at, there's, there is there are certainly varied approaches to how the advocacy and devrel and that kind of stuff gets gets done and I, you know it's it's kind of funny but it also makes a lot of sense in that you can almost track the personality dna of how devrel gets done to the personality dna of the company itself that's running devrel and and advocacy mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff right it's it's yeah. intimately tied together there Anyway, yeah, I don't want to wander yeah. off too far onto that stuff. Uh, <laughs> I can make a whole podcast on right? it. There's, yeah. there's too much to nerd. <laughs> Guys, there's too much to nerd on. Oh, my God. So but let's get let's cut to the core of the real thing here. I want to talk about Maui. I want to talk about the, the evolution from Xamarin to Maui. Tell me, tell me about specifically that evolution and landing where we are right now 
in kind of the kicking open the door to a new universe of what Maui is for, for folks, both start with the tech, right. But then let's kind of bridge to business and get there too. Yeah. So, you know, .NET is a runtime, it's a platform, it's a framework, right. Mm -hmm. Similar to like Java is, is a runtime. It's a platform. There are programming languages that you develop on top of it. So in the case of Java, or there's a Java, you know, VM, there's Java, the programming language with .NET, there's multiple languages. So there's C sharp, F sharp, VB.NET, Visual Basic. And that's really unique because it's a, it's an open source, you know, runtime framework languages, which is really awesome. And .NET's goal has really been to enable developers to build for anything. So whether you want to build a desktop app for Windows, you want to build a backend that you deploy to Linux or to a Windows machine, or you want to do IoT on a Raspberry Pi, you can do that because there's optimized .NET runtimes that go there. Now, I traditionally, way back in the day, everything would just be Windows, Microsoft only. But I just said a bunch of things that aren't our platforms at all, right? Mm -hmm. Because yeah. for us, we want developers to go everywhere, right? So the what happened here is that with .NET MAUI, if you're brand new and you're like, I don't even care about the history, what is this thing today? Why do I care about it? Is It is a brand new framework for Microsoft that enables developers to build for a platform or multiple platforms from a single shared C-sharp code base using XAML, which is an XML-based markup, or C-sharp to build cross-platform user interfaces for iOS, Android, Mac, and Windows, all 100% shared code base with native integrations and access to the native APIs so there's abstractions for like connectivity, geolocation. Mm -hmm. So there's mm -hmm. a singular API for that, just like you'd have a singular button that renders native button controls. And then additionally, there is platform API. So if you want to get access to like SiriKit on iOS, you have mm -hmm. access to SiriKit, but in C Sharp. So that's actually a really unique feature of the platform. And the history of it is from that acquisition of Xamarin, which was a company that what they did coming from Nat Freeman, Miguel de Acaza, and Joseph Hill were the three co-founders. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. They set off on a mission to bring .NET to iOS and Android, and they did that. So they took the mono implementation of .NET, which is an, the original open, open source implementation, mm -hmm. and they made that work, which is mind-boggling, on iOS and Android, did a, all this ahead-of-time compilation and compilation, all this other stuff, and you could access and build apps with C-sharp for iOS and Android, which was like mind blowing 12 years ago. when I started this like blew my mind. It was amazing. And they sort of evolved it to say, Hey, you have two options. You can build, you know, Android XML and iOS storyboards, or what we'll do is we'll create an abstraction. We'll do a single code base. It's a different markup and you create mm -hmm. a button and we'll render the native button. It's, it's still mm -hmm. an iOS button and an Android button, but it's a button. And that evolved into Xamarin forms and when .NET 5 and .NET 6 were coming out and planned, this was really a unification of the platform. And we said, we need to, and by we, I mean the team. So the development mm -hmm. team, the engineering team, I said, we need to bring Xamarin and we need to bring Xamarin Forms into the next generation. It's been a decade. It's been over a decade. And that's where both iOS and Android just became iOS and Android for .NET. So that's still available. And then Xamarin Forms, they said, hey, it's been seven years since we created this thing. We made so many assumptions. And seven years ago, your iPhone and yeah. Android phones were a little bit different. That's you know? different. That's an eternity. So, <laughs> yeah. So let's build it in a brand new way that is very flexible, more performant, and enables developers 
to build apps how they want to with the Xamarin Forms kind of approach with native UI, or take the road, road that, hey, if you want to, you can custom draw everything. You can use native drawing APIs. You can use Skia Sharp, which is the C Sharp version of Skia, which is a drawing API from Google, just how like Flutter works, for example. Mm -hmm. But you can do all of that now in this brand new thing, all inside of Visual Studio. Use all of your .NET code. It's all running on .NET 6. So that means everything just kind of works. And that's kind of the world we're at. It's in general availability. You install Visual Studio, you click a button, you get it, and boom, you're off to the races building apps. And you can do you know, one app, two apps, all the platforms. It's up to you. I work with some developers that are just building iOS apps, and they do it with .NET MAUI because they may want to go to Android, but they, they don't want to kind of get deep into the iOS stuff because they have this beautiful abstraction and this beautiful ecosystem of libraries and from developers that you can pull in. So this is a really beautiful world. And, and on top of that, it, it's streamlined. And, and then I'll, then I'll shut up here, but like it's streamlined <laughs> to the point that it's like, it's beautiful. It's, it's like one project, one solution, and it's multi-targeted. So you can easily deploy to multiple projects. You get hot yeah. reloads So you can do your yep. XAML, you can do your C sharp, you have cross-platform images and icons and splash screens and fonts and all this stuff. So they thought about it was it's really a next generation, right? It's, Hey, before you had to do a whole bunch of stuff manually and like there's all these assumptions made, now we're going to reinvent under the hood and you can migrate if you want to easily enough, but also we're going to do all this really cool stuff that enables you just to be way more productive. So you, 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 you splashed on something real quick there that I think is key for our kind of biz app owners and, and IT leadership to kind of get a little bit of their hands around. And I wonder if you could talk just briefly about it is you mentioned Flutter. And we, we hear a lot about the, the multi-target, multi-platform things like Flutter, React Native, and that kind of stuff. In your head, where does Maui stack up with these other multi-platform targeting frameworks? Yeah, I think first when you look at it from a perspective of how strong is the C-sharp.net community, mm -hmm. it's extremely strong. We have like six million, oh, yeah. five, six million developers. But Second additionally, yeah, there, there's a very strong ecosystem around open source cross-platform frameworks, right? So Donna Mao, even though it's from Microsoft, we're not the only ones out there, right? There's Avalonia, which is a cross-platform UI framework from the community. There's Uno, which is another cross-platform framework. They're all a little bit different. One uses like Donna Maui, we have our own XAML, our own controls, our own flavor. It's all XAML. But you have Avalonia, which is based on WPF. And you have Uno, which is based on like WinUI 3 Windows style, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. they all do different things. But they're all, all three of them are built on the core iOS and Android. So like, regardless if you're building with Maui, Avalonia, or Uno, the base is still just .NET and the, the, the stuff that we work on here at Microsoft, right? Mm -hmm. They're all using the core infrastructure under the hood. So when we make improvements, everybody gets improvements, which is kind mm -hmm. of awesome. Now, in the stack of cross-platform development, man, in 12 years since I started my journey, things sure have changed, oh, and there's God. so yeah. much new. Yeah, yeah. Flutter's super cool from Google, right? They obviously have Android as their as their core, but with Flutter, they're really targeting. Hey, we're going to self-draw pixels. We're going to really own the stack from top to bottom. And there's some advantages to that. There's some mm -hmm. disadvantages to that as well. They're very much more of a Dart, which is the programming language forward mm -hmm. ecosystem. 
So Dart, there is some web as well that you can do there too, and Flutter there too, but they're very pixel drawn perfection. And they, they, they do go to a lot of different platforms, including web too, based on what you're building. Same thing with React Native. You know, if you're React and React Native, you're actually sharing components between your React app and your React Native app. And that's sort of a blend uh, in there too. And, and then there's a bunch of other ones that are out there too. I've always said it, right? Because I've been in advocacy for like a decade, which is pick what tool is absolutely best for your project mm. and for your development team. Yeah. We think that we have a great one, right? If you're a C-sharp .NET developer, your C-sharp .NET developers know 80% of the stack. They know how to write the code. They can share their code with their ASP.NET Core backend, with their desktop apps, with whatever they have, right? You got C-sharp devs, they're Go off to town, the boys. Yeah. Go to town, right? They're super duper good to go, right? If your application is like an augmented reality application, you're deeply tying into every single iOS and iPad API, maybe Swift is the best option for you, mm. right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, hey, you're building a game, probably Unity. Guess what? That's .NET too. You know what I mean? Like maybe Unity is a great option for you. Tons of stuff's built with Unity, right? Like that's all .NET stuff from Unity, not from us, but shared infrastructure and, and stuff there. So, or your web development, right? Two yeah. options here. Let me break this down because actually .NET MAUI has the option of being a lot closer to React Native. React and React Native are super popular from Facebook, Meta. And the cool part here is Don and Maui, when they restructured it, they actually said, right now today, our current developer base is restricted to client developers, right? You gotta know the XAML, you gotta know the MVVM, you gotta know the UI stacks. But what if you're a web developer, right? ASP.NET Core, one of the most popular web frameworks out there, Obviously, you're building with .NET. You're there. You got MVC. You got Razor. Now you have Blazor, and Blazor is sort of our next generation SPA application framework. Super flexible. Oh yeah, we love Blazor around here. Yeah, Blazor, sure. Blazor everywhere. Yeah, Blazor, so, Blazor. What, so there's a new third option with Blazor. Was Blazor Server, WebAssembly, now it's Blazor Hybrid, and Blazor Hybrid is like mind-boggling because it's kind of like React and React Native, where what you can do is you can have your Blazor app. But you can create a Razor class library where you take your components, right? So here's a login view, here's a podcast view, here's a details view, and you can just bring those into a .NET MAUI application. And that could be your entire app. You could take your entire Blazor app and put it into a .NET MAUI application, which means then you can deploy it into the app stores, you can access native APIs, mm. or you can piecemeal it together. So you can start sharing web pieces and native pieces as well between those. So it's a very flexible framework, but there's a lot happening, right? Yeah, so I was, yeah. I was literally on my stream today. I said, prototype with a bunch of stuff and prototype yeah. the ecosystem, prototype back and forth. But what are you building? Because guess what? Maybe .NET Maui and Blazor are amazing for this project. Maybe just Blazor is great for this project, but maybe Swift and Kotlin are great for this thing over here. Like it's really based on your application. And based on like what tools you want your developers to be using, right? Do you yeah. want them all on Windows with Visual Studio? We, of course, have Visual Studio for Mac. Do you want that flexibility? What's your IT policy? You know, are things locked down? Who's managing Xcode installs? Who's managing Android Studio installs? XYZ, there's, where's your CICD? Is it on GitHub Actions, Azure DevOps? Like, you know, what, what's that look like? Yeah, you know, what so integrations are you using? Yeah, thank you, thank you, Mods, for that. That that's awesome stuff. That Maui Flutter React thing is pertinent to discussions we have with our customers. James yeah. Wood, J Dubs, 
let's turn the kaleidoscope a little bit and look at some of our biz apps, things that we talk about a lot. What strikes you as questions that our listeners and or our customers' clients have about things like Maui and, and these other things too as well that they might want to chew on as they, as they look at their enterprise app portfolio that they're, they build internally? You know, one of the first thing that, that comes to mind is, you know, and having some of these conversations is there's almost a perception of this all sounds too good to be true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, we, we think about, you know, some of the, the challenges that we face with customers where, you know, I'll give you a good, for instance, we, we had a couple of projects the last couple of years where we're was looking for initially a, a web and mobile-ish app built on PWA technology, but like as soon as they kind of get a user start getting their hands on it, it starts to pivot in unexpected directions. You know, like we well, you know, now that I kind of have this app installed, it sure would be awesome if it could do some more native-ish things, and you know that extends beyond the boundary of what I can do with a PWA. But at the same time. You know, I still kind of like that desktop experience too. And, and you know, it just kind of goes in, in lots of different directions. So I guess maybe one question would be, you know, for, for your business focused customer base, you know, for biz apps, I mean, what are your thoughts on scalability for, you know, your garden variety biz app, let's say? Yeah, you know, I think that there's a lot of, questions coming up from communities and, and enterprises, especially around, Hey, do I go full pro code, like full stack with Maui or something yeah. like that? Or am I doing low code? Right. And I was going to say, guess what? You can do both, right? What's your application? Actually, you know, the power platform has some beautiful integrations with .NET APIs for their backend and our APIM solution. So there's some beautiful things if you're building, right. And I think that's the cool part about .NET is you got .NET developers, they're probably going to be building your backend, they can build your front end, they can build your Teams integration, they can build whatever, right? So I always look at it from that perspective. How I look at it from this, and I've worked with a lot of developers and companies that have these like app innovation centers, and they're pumping out hundreds of apps every single time, every single week, every month, every year, right? And they're across the globe. And what they do is they sort of say, I'm going to standardize, right? I'm going to standardize on technology, I'm going to create reusable packages. And what's really nice about how .NET works with NuGet packages and deployment internally, externally, is that you can create a reusable login page that's reusable across every single application. You can reuse all of your scripts across everything. You can create your NuGet packages for your business scenario that is now going to be deployed and used across your Maui apps your web backends, your, your API integrations, and maybe you pull those into the power platform. Like that's a pretty strong, you know, story when you think yeah, about it. Absolutely. So I think limit limiting it from a, I want to scale scenario, like .NET itself powers, you know, Bing, Cosmos DB, it is powering you know, these huge it powers Forza Motorsports, you know what I mean? Like it's powering Chipotle, you know what I mean? Like Stack Overflow, like, you know what I mean? And there's companies that are just fully on the back end and there's people that are doing back end and front end, right? So I think the scalability part of it is that you can use it at scale. We're doing it, companies are doing it. And it's kind of a really beautiful story when you think about the flexibility of 
where you can start and where you can bring one piece of code, which you can't necessarily always do in every single development platform. Mm. That full stack story is so powerful because we find, you know, we do a fair amount of mobile app, you know, development projects and, and it, it always seems like, you know, customers will be asking us, you know, what kind of skill sets do you, do we really need to be able to do this? And, you know, depending on kind of their environment and, and what they're connecting to, you know, the, the list of technologies stacks up in a hurry and it, you know, you can see the customer's eyes starting to cross and you know, trying to figure out, oh God, you know, how are we going to, you know, get the right tools and resources together. And, you know, I think that's, to your point, James, just such a, a powerful story to, to be able to say, you know what, there's a tool set that, you know, basically takes you from front to back to automation, to everything that you could really ever want to do. And, you know, especially with that Blazor story, you're not having to necessarily reskill resources to be able to jump into that. Oh yeah. 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 We've seen huge uptick from the the Blazor community too, which I'm really, really excited about because it, it just unlocks a lot of opportunity. When you go to the .NET website, dot.net, you'll see it literally says build apps for any device and you see .NET MAUI and you see Blazor right there and they cross link talking about hybrid. And there's just so much excitement right now. You know, and .NET MAUI is new, just came out in May, 2022. So if you're listening to this years later, then it's not new anymore. But if you're listening to this, like when it comes out, it's new. So, you know, it's this first release, you know, and of course it's built on a lot of fun foundational pieces of the last decade of work, but just like anything, just like any software in the world, it's not flawless, but the cool part about .NET MAUI being partly or being integrated so deep into .NET is that .NET is on an annual release cadence, right? So you're getting point releases every single month, but you know, this November, 2022, you're going to get .NET 7, November, 2023, you're going to get .NET 8. And you're going to see big enhancements because Don Maui, Blazor, they're all getting these new features and integrations. And, and that's what I think is also nice about that. Very similar how Node.js works, right? They have that yeah. nice current and LTS yeah. release. And I'm so yeah. happy that .NET went that route. And I think from an enterprise perspective, you can really pin and say, okay, here's this and this that I want to do for my business. If I want to move along, you know, and I'm going to be moving more actively or you want to move it a little bit slower. That's all yeah. up to you. And you're going to get that support <clears throat> policy, which is big, big Microsoft support policy It's a big deal. So Mots, I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on the shot clock here and we're winding down with our promise to our listeners of, of, of good stuff in compact time, but I don't want to let you go without one other question that I try to ask most people, especially the nerds. What is it generically speaking? I don't care whether you talk about .NET or not. What is it that's got you excited about the future? Oof. Oh, geez. That's a great question. You know, I, I'm, I'm actually genuinely excited. Finally, I think about augmented reality mm. down the pipe and more of the mixed reality. I think like, you know, the stuff that we did with the HoloLens, like was really, mm -hmm. really intriguing to me. And mm -hmm. same thing with Google Glass. I'm really sad that Apple didn't show Apple, I know. if they're doing I was, Apple Glass. I was like, show me, show me, and it nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I am really excited about that because I think from a developer perspective, I've been thinking a lot in the last year of the next golden opportunity. I feel so lucky that I got and hopped on the mobile bandwagon so early on, like 12 years ago, mm -hmm. because it got me to where I'm at today. And mm -hmm. there's not that many, there's not that many times in our life which something like a new platform will come about where you're in a point in your life that you may be able to jump ship and do that. 
I don't really think the metaverse is something that really excites me, but I do think the idea of I can sit down at my desk with some, some really nice glasses on, maybe built, built by Apple or built by Google or built by Microsoft, who knows? And I can get some, I can clear up my space, I think, and get things on demand. Like maybe I get an extra monitor or maybe I'm pinning teams over here. I'm doing this. Like, I feel like I have a lot of clutter in my life. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hoping about the future is that technology can help declutter our lives so mm-hmm. I can actually focus on what's important. Um, I think there's been robots that have helped in that way, right? When you think about the little RoboVacs and little yep. things, I was just on holiday and there's these robot lawnmowers, like mind blowing, mm-hmm. like that enables me to focus on the things that I want to enjoy in life. And if there's things that will enable me to enjoy my day-to-day more, I, I don't want notifications. I don't want stuff that will fail. But mm. I think if we can go in a direction where we have this value add, where we can get rid of distractions and can just make things really nice, I think that augmented reality space, mixed reality space does genuinely excite me. And I'm hoping that whatever comes next, whoever it's from brings a form that enables me to declutter my life a little bit, which I know from my personal enjoyment from moving every single time when there's a blank slate, I really enjoy, yeah, I really enjoy it. And, you know, once every three months when I clear my desk and it's just like empty, I'm like, why can't this always just be empty? And it's just beautiful. And then to, uh, literally a day later, like, Oh, what is going on here? Just, <laughs> just a disaster. So that's what genuinely excites me about it. And the ability that I'll be able to develop for that thing. I yeah. That'll be cool. Right. Like imagine, Maui three or whatever, and you've got your controls for AR stuff, right? It's up there. That'd be so cool. I think that'd be super rad. So really excited about that. Any tech that helps bring more more enjoyment so I can go do the things that I want to do has me excited. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Mats, James, thank you so much for stopping by. We appreciate your perspective on the, the Maui release and some comparisons that will help our listeners. Of course, appreciate perspective from community stuff. That's, that's, that's cool. And that's key to a lot of our folks too. And of course the nerdy future stuff, like as always, that's, that's great stuff, but we, we deeply appreciate your presence. We appreciate your voice and your, your wisdom. So from our side, thank you so much to our listeners. Have a good day. We'll see you guys later. Bye everyone.